Hello and welcome to Inside Fingal, the podcast that gives you an insight into the work being done by the councillors and staff of Fingal County Council to make Fingal a better place to live, work, visit and do business in. My name is Jerry McDermott, I'm the Media and Communications Manager here at Fingal County Council and I hope you'll stay with me as we continue to inform you about the work of your local authority. This is episode 22 of the Inside Fingal podcast and you can listen to the other 21 on our website fingal.ie forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from. Our guest today is Kevin Halpenny who is the Senior Parks and Landscape Officer with Fingal County Council's Parks and Green Infrastructure Division. Kevin, you're very welcome to Inside Fingal. Thanks Jerry. It's great to have you here and um, can I can I start by asking you about the journey that you have taken in your own career uh, that has seen you end up here in Fingal County Council heading up the Parks and Green Infrastructure Department. Growing up as a young person, I was very interested in trees and plants. I'm finishing my leave and I got an opportunity to study landscape architecture at UCD. And following qualification there, I joined Dublin Corporation, or as it was, Dublin City Council now, and I spent three and a half years with them. Uh, working on projects and sort of learning the ropes of local government. And then I went to work in uh, Islington in North London as a parks uh, supervisor, equivalent to one of our district supervisors here in Fingal. And that gave me a a really good insight into on-the-ground work and how to get things done. Uh, And I spent three and a half very good years there before returning to work in Dublin County Council as it was and then I had the good fortune to stay on with Fingal when it was formed in 1994 and I started there as a, a assistant parks uh, superintendent as it was at the time and worked my way up until I got the position I'm in now in 2008 with the retirement of my predecessor Michael Lynch. And you mentioned Michael Lynch there, and he's a bit of a legend when it comes to, to park superintendents, isn't he? Well, I always say, make the case that uh, we're standing on the shoulders of giants because uh, a lot of the foundations that were provided by predecessors like Michael have given us a huge advantage in what we can do now uh, with the base material, the, you know, some of the large regional parks, and we're building on that all the time but it's a great credit to uh, Michael and some of his cohort at the time that they had the vision that they had. Yeah, and, and just tell us what that vision was, like what, what did they do? Uh, they really, uh, well Michael I know is a, a person, he saw the Miles Wright a plan and what was ahead in terms of the development of Greater Dublin as it, as it would be known and uh, lobbied really effectively uh, and made the case for the acquisition of some of our uh, heritage landscapes, not just in Fingal, it has to be said, but around the county of Dublin. And that was very forward-thinking, and it allowed then to purchase an acquisition of land up front at reasonable cost, but with a long-term vision of providing some of our major regional parks, which are increasingly relevant with the development of residential areas and infrastructure in uh, in the county, uh, and, and in particular in Fingal. So that's places like Malahide uh, Castle, Newbridge House and Domain, and Ardgillen Castle? Yes, going, going back to the first major acquisition on that uh, sequence would have been Malahide and Domain in 1976. So and, and, we, we're, tra- we're trying to build on that foundation all the time with new facilities and new land to, to, you know, to make 
the development of our parks ever more relevant and available. It was, it was, it was very forward-thinking at the time because at, back in the 70s and 80s, there was a, a, fair, a fair level of ambivalence about you know, the big house and the big parkland setting. It wasn't universally thought of in a positive way. And that has changed very dramatically over my career, where now people see these heritage landscapes as really uh, part of what we are, as opposed to something separate from our culture. Does that mean that when, when you sort of, Fingal County Council was established in 1994 and, and, and you came in then um, to work in, in the park, park section, then did you have a sort of a blank canvas up to a point, um, we had obviously development plans at that stage, so we, and we had some some policy leads, and we had minimum standards, and we've developed those uh, those policies uh, o- over time uh, to reflect, I suppose, the needs and wants of the population in the county, and you know, with input obviously from the elected members and successive chief executives uh, have you know reinforced that. So it's uh, it's an iterative process, uh, but we like to think we you know we're we're very proactive in pushing the boundaries and pushing the limits of, in terms of quantity and quality for open space provision for the population here in North Dublin. When you look at what's happened over the past twenty nine years, do you look back and say we we've achieved an awful lot in that time? Sometimes I, I do, but but mostly I'm reflecting forward and what's next and how we can do better and what's next, what's next on on in line. Realistically, you know, we're in a very dynamic situation here. We're in the cockpit of development in in the country, really. So that's uh, that's something we need to be up for and always live to. And not reflect too much on the past, but see how we can make, as I say, our parks and open spaces ever more relevant to the needs of, 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 the, of the current population, while also being cognizant of the need to conserve uh, and manage our important heritage for future generations. You talked there about the, um, uh, the provision of parks and open spaces, and, and it is a strategic objective in the Fingal County Council corporate plan under the quality of life theme. So what has your Parks and Green Infrastructure Division been doing to turn that objective into a reality? There's four major pillars to our approach. The first one is policy. Uh, I mentioned it uh, uh, slightly earlier on, but the policy gives us the bedrock for how we take things forward. So we have a uh, uh, keeping it green open space strategy for Fingal, which we developed with our uh, colleagues in planning and operations a number of years ago, and that sets the sort of the, the themes and the approaches generally to how we take things forward. And that's been embedded into several uh, county development plans at this stage, and and it's an an evolving story. But out of that, then, we have sub-policies like our Biodiversity Action Plan, our Play Policy, uh, uh, Space for Play in Fingal, and, crucially, our tree strategy, the Forest of Fingal. All of those uh, relate directly back to our open space strategy, and are in turn embedded in our county development plan. And once you have that, then you can go to planning. Once you have your policy uh, uh, right, you can go to planning. So we can start making the justification for planning interventions in terms of acquisition of land, 
uh, and certain types of activities that are directly in line with our open space strategy. And then that nicely leads into projects that are in line with the planning and the, pol- and the policy objectives. Uh, our capital programme comes from that. And then, in turn, that leads to practice. So practice on the ground. How do we manage effectively? And then that turns back on itself into policy again. So it's those four Ps, if, if you like, that inform how we progress the development of parks and green infrastructure in the county. We recently had the opening of the first phase of the Swords Regional Park. Is that a good example of what you've just talked about there? There you're seeing examples of what we call multifunctional green infrastructure, where we uh, use open space not as a destination park, but to achieve a whole load of objectives like um, sustainable urban drainage, like active travel, biodiversity objectives, uh, and even uh, climate adaptation and mitigation and education objectives. So in, in that park, you see in the, uh, you know, an example of that approach where people in uh, Old Town Moortown would be able to navigate into the centre of swords via uh, really good quality open space and also you know, reach uh, the Metrolink facilities uh, in the centre of swords and other public transport options. So that it'll have a major impact on people's lived existence, and that's what open space needs to needs to do. That's how it needs to perform. And I suppose too, one thing that struck me about that development is that the new houses have gone up, and the park is there right beside them. That the infrastructure and the housing are coming side by side almost. Yes, and that that has several advantages, because people uh, have immediate ownership and acceptance of the facilities. Uh, and also they get the benefit from them from the outset. But that that's a much better way of people taking ownership of their local parkland as opposed to it sort of arriving later and being seen by some people possibly as being imposed upon them, even though it has, has a planning, uh, you know, it fulfills a planning objective. So that alignment is very effective and even it's even better if some of it can be up front and that's, that's what we, we aspire to as far as possible. And that's why, you know, generating the open space and in advance has, has a lot of advantages. And one of the things in that development is the lake that's in the first phase. And, and that's a pretty unusual lake, isn't it? It is. And that's a really, really good example of what we term multifunctional green infrastructure. Because there we're taking a waste product, which is surface water, and we're actually bringing it into the park and using it to enhance the park as a feature, a water feature, a sustainable urban drainage feature, uh, and a very, you know, uh, a, a really large-scale pond uh, lake, would you, uh, you could have it. And that, in turn, you know, it contributes to the amenity of the park, but it also provides a basis for a huge amount of biodiversity. And while it's doing that, it's cleaning the water before it goes into the broad meadow river. So it's not a win-win situation, it's a win-win-win situation. And that's what multifunctional green infrastructure can get, get you if it's properly planned. And that's directly 
a direct result of a, a really far-seeing local area plan. And that's why working directly with our engineering colleagues and crucially our planning colleagues and our senior admin min team here, we can actually you know, project forward and provide that type of infrastructure. Now, Fingal County Council is responsible for over 5,000 acres of, of public open space. How, how is that broken down throughout the county? Based on a hierarchy of provision. So we start with our regional parks, which are typically around 80 hectares, 200 acres in extent. And then we come down from that to uh, 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 town parks, which might be 20 or 30 hectares, and then lower, a lower grade would be 2 to 5 hectares neighbourhood parks. And then we'd have residential open space and um, pocket parks, that sort of thing in more urban areas. And each of those have, has a particular function to perform. And they're in line with our uh, minimum standard provision of uh, the six-acre standards, or 2.4-hectare standards. So we have a, a sort of an internationally recognised minimum standard that we aspire to in terms of the generation of open space through development management. So what does that mean, just sort of, is it that... a uh in any open space, the minimum open space is six acres, is it? It's the minimum per, sorry, per thousand of population is six acres. So that's broken down into residential open space within developments. That's for the, for the use of people in that residential area. But then wider provision of, uh, of, of active rec- recreational open space. That's maybe you know that accumulates like with other uh, de- uh, open space generated by other developments. But the in aggregate, we we aspire to providing at least two point four hectares or six acres uh, per thousand of population, and that that standard is well established uh, internationally. Is first uh, set out by the National Playing Fields Association in the UK in the early part of the, the, the 20th century and it has stood the test of time and we were, we're sort of doing a little bit better than that now actually and but crucially our um, open space strategy has adapted that to say what level of facilities should be provided in each type of park so that for instance we don't provide football fields in residential open space because there's an immediate issue of conflict there Uh, whereas we do provide them in neighbourhood parks where there's a a minimum setback away from residential areas to avoid conflict so um, we can we organise the space to try and meet the needs of the local population while at the same time you know aspiring to high quality uh, and accessible provision Open space is only valuable if it's accessible, safe, accessible and enjoyable. Mm. Those are the bywords for what we try to provide. And obviously with the population growing, like it's gone from 294,000 in in the 2016 census up to 329,000 now, you're having to keep ahead of the population growth. Absolutely, and we have a number of, I suppose, initiatives around that. And you'd be familiar with our approach to developing active recreational hubs. That's directly uh, in line with the increased urbanisation that's happening in Fingal, where we're uh, collaborating with local clubs, 
uh, to, to develop more uh, intensive uh, sports facilities that can be used up till 10 o'clock at night. And that's solving the need to provide ever more uh, grass pitches uh, around the county. We've a very, very good provision of around 180 grass pitches, which is the highest, I believe, per capita provision in, in the country for a local authority. But allied to that, we're not going to take away from that, but allied to that, we're augmenting that now with um, all-weather facilities, uh, with, with, which are well-serviced and have good infrastructure in terms of lighting and, and parking, etc., and, and facilities, changing facilities, exactly. And we're, we're rolling that out on a strategic basis so that they're, you know, they're very accessible to uh, clubs, uh, residential areas, and crucially schools that get to use them during the day. So we're, that's a, I believe that will be a very uh, a sort of a positive addition to our sporting infrastructure going forward. And uh, uh, we're, you know, we've, we're on the ground with several of those projects at the moment. That's right, and you, you recently opened the Ward River uh, Recreational Hub in, in Swords, and, and there's a few more imminent as well. There are. We're on the ground now in Donabate, in Ballymastone, and we're due to open Porterstown uh, in Dublin 15, uh, probably next month or, or, or in, in, uh, in May at the latest. Uh, and those are those are examples, good examples of projects where we've collaborated, as say, with local clubs uh, that are acting as anchor tenants, and that are, um, you know, through management agreements, we're able to generate the replacement uh, funding for the facilities, which we are funding upfront through our development levies process. And it's not just the major field sports like Gaelic football and soccer and rugby that you're catering for. Like, you do have a wide range of other sports, and, and I suppose it shows the diversity of, of sport in Fingal. Yeah, it's really important that we, we, we don't just play to the gallery, that we're, we're aware of the wide diversity of needs that are out there. And we're, we're always open to suggestions and approaches uh, particularly from sporting bodies that want to work with us on the provision of facilities like, you know, BMX. We have a, a regional BMX facility uh, in St. Catherine's Park in Lucan. And that came up about directly through uh, liaison with local interest groups and then the national body. And now we have a really, well, I would believe, a world-class facility in St. Catherine's. Uh, and uh, that type of initiative... Where you know we were approached by, say, local uh, groups of skateboarders, and we, we assess the need uh, from them, and then they get an involvement in the development of the particular facilities, and that has served us very well because it's like the ownership piece I mentioned earlier on. If you have local ownership from the outset, you're halfway there, uh, and. That's done very well in some other countries. We, we need to, I suppose, get better at that, and I think we are getting better at that, but in, you know, inviting people in to participate in the planning and development process. And you're also providing playgrounds, and 
certainly from what I've seen around Fingal, it's it's not just about swings and slides. No, indeed, no. And that's we we haven't adopted uh, a policy for play, a space for play, a play policy for Fingal, and that sets out a hierarchy of play provision coming right from a very low level and very localised play provision in residential open areas uh, for, for very small children, uh, toddlers effectively, right up to provision for uh, you know, teens and pre-adult uh, uh, young, young people, which, you know, again, we haven't been great at servicing, but we are improving. And uh, so that, again, is, you know, we have that policy framework. We're now able to retrospectively provide play against an acknowledged uh, policy and a level of provision that is accepted as appropriate. So we're auditing all of our open spaces at the moment to determine where the biggest gaps are, particularly accessibility for, for play provision. But you're right, it's not all about play, it's about challenging, you know, having challenging provision for kids at, uh, at appropriate to their age. And and it's not just for the the toddlers and the the primary school kids. Like you've you've got to find a way of engaging the teenagers as well. Absolutely, uh, I think that's a, a really key uh, point. Not all uh, teenagers and young adults are interested in team sports, and we're trying to reach out to them. Some of them will be interested in skateboarding, but not all of them. And uh, we're particularly trying to address the needs of. Uh, young females or uh, teenage girls we have a lot of work to do around that we have set out some of the ideas in our play policy but and we have some teen spaces in in development places like lanesborough will have a very significant teen space included into the park and also all our new regional parks will provide for that type of activity but we're on a we're on a good steep learning curve around that. You mentioned earlier on in our conversation about heritage, and I suppose one project that you've been heavily involved in that certainly just quite literally took my breath away was Braemore Castle in in Balbriggan, where you and your team have basically built a, a castle from the ground up. Can you can you tell us a little bit about how that all came about and and what you've been doing there? Most really great regional parks have a very strong focal point. And we're aware that North Balbriggan needs a regional park. So the opportunity, come back to my predecessor, Michael Lynch, came, came up in the 1980s to acquire what was essentially a derelict site, uh, the ruins of Braemore Castle. It was no more than five or six feet high, or two, less than two metres high off the ground. And... Um, at that stage, Voss was uh, operating, and uh, we worked. The council at the time worked with uh, the inspector of medieval uh, buildings for the Office of Public Works, Dave Newman Johnson, a very uh, well-renowned architect, to set out, uh, you know, a project for the full reconstruction of a medieval castle, which is pretty unusual, to <laughs> say the least. He had worked as the project manager uh, on various uh, uh, various uh, castle restoration projects. So he was able to uh, detail out what the works should, should be, what work should be done. And then through a labour activation project with FOSS, uh, the reconstruction was begun. 
and that had several benefits. This was number one, the physical reconstruction. But perhaps more importantly, a training programme where young unemployed people were able to gain the skills, uh, not just of general construction, but specialist construction, uh, uh, you know, using medieval techniques. But all of the, all of the people who came through, there were 16 at a, at a, up to 16 young people at a time, because I've managed it for a number of years, uh, they were able to gain employment then in, in lots of different areas. Some of them set up their own uh, stone masonry businesses and many, many of them went into general uh, construction and wider employment. And also, it was a really good example of recycling. Over 90% of the materials in the castle are recycled from dem- demolished buildings. And then when we were surveying the route of the M1 motorway, we were able to fell mature oak trees and a large number of those were recycled into the construction of the castle. So it's when we when we bring people around the castle today, we can say it's over ninety percent recycled materials in in the building, and it's a it's a good representation of a faithful representation of a reconstruction of a medieval castle from the 14th century. And, and what's the plans for it? Uh, like it, it isn't open to the public at the moment. Um, I know if people go onto the thingo.ie website they'll be able to get a sort of a, a virtual tour through, yeah. through the Braemore Castle which our digital content officer Mark Broderick has, has put together. But what's, what's the long term plan for it? At the moment it's only open by arrangement during um, mark, you know, when we're running markets there which happen sporadically every, every couple of months. So you can get access to the ground floor during this and we work closely with Balbriggan Historic Society in that regard but the, uh, the future of it really is to graft on uh, sort of an accessibility uh, standard it's, it currently it's, it's built as, as a faithful representation of a medieval castle uh, but li- unlike Bonratti, which gets a derogation because it was already standing for you know, in terms of accessibility because it's a new build we now have to graft on and make it what they call part M compliant or you know for, uh, accessible uh, for the public. So there'll have to be stairs and uh, a lift, uh, at least one uh, set of stairs and lift provided uh, uh, and attached to the castle to make it accessible for use. And it, we we would uh, we would see it being used for cultural uh, tourism and uh, local uh, you know lo- local community use. Um, uh, in, first and foremost very much in line with what we've done with our other heritage properties but for you know, serving the needs of North Balbriggan but also being, having a wider attra- uh, you know, being of a wider uh, attraction to the, the general public and tourists and visitors to Fingal. Shackling Gardens was another project that, that you undertook and, and the restoration of that was completed a couple of years ago though I, I say there's probably still a lot of work ongoing at the moment but how important was it to save that particular um, garden? Well that's a, that's a really uh, it was a really exciting project because that's a you know gardens of their, by their nature are very can be very ephemeral things but particularly plant collections and we know that in the 1990s the, the plant collection at Shackleton Garden uh, was listed as one of the top four collections of herbaceous plants in the British Isles. Uh, you know, that was widely accepted as, as such. 
Now, the real benefit of that garden is that it's really it's very well documented, and we have what we call the accession lists or the lists of plants uh, that were planted and are planted there from directly from the Shackleton family. So when we were uh, we've acquired it now, we know what. What was in the garden during its heyday, and we we have bring, we've partly brought it back to the restoration of the walls and the glass houses and the paths up to a very high standard, uh, and now we're able to you know work with our local operations team to bring back the plant collection to at least a fair approximation of what was there and to bring the status of that garden back to Fingal. Uh, and to make it um, another one of our main visitor attractions. So so it's the absolute example of sustainable tourism, where something, a feature like that garden, can provide amenity for the local community, while at the same time working as an attraction to bring people to Fingal, and to bring, you know, people around, and to, you know, to raise the profile and the status of, of, of Fingal in terms of plant collecting and horticultural excellence and that's what we feel the garden is doing and can can do into the future it's well accessible and you know even for people visiting the park there beside it they get the benefit of being able to stroll around what is a well recognised internationally recognised plant collection we have a big one of the biggest collections of snowdrops, for instance, in the, in the, in the country, and, and some locally uh, developed uh, varieties of, of snowdrop are in the garden. So there's a, there's a whole range of uh, features and seasonal kind of in, uh, of seasonal interest uh, within the garden, and um, we, we're working there uh, with a, a local community garden group as well, uh, who've been really positive about the project and uh, you know uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very good example of local volunteering as well. What sort of projects are you working on at the moment like um, is, is there sort of exciting stuff coming down the tracks? Yeah we have a number of very uh, significant projects in the uh, in the making. Uh, Rogerton Park which is based on the former Balili landfill uh, we're, we're going to planning on that very soon and that's a you know that's a 50 acre park based around a former landfill on the on the edge of a special area conservation Rogerstown estuary it has the most magnificent views in north county dublin uh, and you're standing literally on 50 meters of uh, of landfill um, and you know the, we're working through the requirements of the environmental protection agency for the aftercare and management of it and the aftercare and management is to develop a regional park and that'll be a, a major addition to our opus and showcase how we can adapt land and landscape and how particular sort of aspect of that will be the management of it we'll use a lot of grazing techniques and a lot of wildflower meadows so very sustainable approach and very low carbon uh, effect on that. We have obviously a number of regional parks in the offing. We've recently achieved planning permission for Racecourse Park in Baldoyle, which um, and again is essentially a, a large wetland, really important for water quality uh, in the Baldoyle estuary. So the park itself, 
while it's performing, you know, as an amenity, and we will have very nice sports and play facilities in it. There'll be a large amount of walking and cycling infrastructure in it, but it also has uh, the benefit of being a large wetland, and we'll have grazing programs in that as well. And then, of course, we're, we were part of the Dublin Bay Biosphere Programme, where we're working with our colleagues in uh, the City Council and O'Leary Ratdown and Dublin Port and Falcha Ireland uh, as um, a steering group for the management of uh, Dublin Bay as a biosphere. And part of that is on Holt Head and part of it's in Baldoyle. Uh, so it's that, that puts us on an international stage. Alongside that, as I said, then we're rolling out our programme of recreational hubs uh, uh, in uh, the likes of um, Braemore. We, we mentioned the castle earlier on, but the, that's the focal point for a 200-acre regional park, and that will have the most amazing recreational hub. We've done the f- completed the first phase of that. Uh, other locations at Lusk, we're, we're just in the process of acquiring the land for the major recreational hub there. Valley Mistone in Donabate has just started we're started we're on site there with the first phase of that which is another recreation hub and we're pre-planning for for uh, hubs at rush uh, and we're also at malahide and a number of other locations that you know we're we're getting our ducks in a row in terms of land acquisition and planning uh, for a series of other uh, recreational facilities one thing I've come across is a lack of awareness about the wide range of jobs that are available within the council, and I, I think your department is an example of, of that. Can you just tell us about the different roles within the Parks and Landscape Division and the career opportunities that there would be? I mentioned the four P's earlier on, you know, the, the uh, policy piece, the planning piece, the projects, uh, and the practice. But alongside that, we do, uh, you know, development management is a huge part of what we do. So we, we look at all the plan in, in consultation with our colleagues in, in, plan, in the planning section. We look at all the planning applications that come in and then we make um, recommendations in terms of planning conditions around protection of trees, for instance, a huge issue for us. Protection of trees on development sites, the uh, requirements for landscape plans for new developments. For, so if a major... Uh, residential project has been planned we are in at the start in terms of pre-planning so we get to say well we need three trees Uh, this is the type of uh, configuration they need to be in this is where we would like to see the open space that takes most advantage of the existing green infrastructure that's on the site Uh, this is the type of sustainable urban drainage we'd like to see this is where the play needs to happen the play facilities need to be provided. So we get a ringside seat in, in development. And then uh, we get to you know, participate in major infrastructural developments, even some of the road schemes, for instance, were involved with our colleagues in transportation and active travel on those to make sure that they align well with uh, um, landscape, landscape uh, best practice. And then we work with people like the heritage officer, uh, to ensure that you know heritage uh, is protected in the context of development and archaeology is protected uh, in the context of developing new 
open space and green infrastructure. Um, and then, as I said, there's a big piece around uh, the development of policy. We've just come through the county development plan and we're privileged to be really involved in developing policy and, uh, and in, in commenting and inputting into the debates around uh, open space and you know the management of our water courses, things like that, uh, and where you know what what landscapes need to be protected, you know where where our future lies in terms of uh, the development of the county. Kevin, we could go on for a lot more minutes than than we have, and maybe for a couple of hours. It's been absolutely fascinating, and no doubt we'll probably come back and go through an awful lot of the other work that you're doing that we didn't even touch upon to, today. But listen. It's been an absolutely fascinating conversation into the work that that you and the Parks and Landscape Division are doing, and I'm sure your our listeners, like myself, now have a much greater understanding and appreciation appreciation of what you and your colleagues do. So, Kevin, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Thank you, Jerry. My pleasure. So that's it for episode 22 of Inside Fingal. My thanks to Kevin Halpenny, the Senior Parks and Landscape Officer with Fingal County Council's Parks and Green Infrastructure Division for being our guest today and giving us a great insight into the work being done by his division. If you have any comments or suggestions in relation to the Inside Fingal podcast, please email podcast at fingal.ie. And remember, you can follow Fingal County Council on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn and also at fingal.ie. Thank you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye and stay safe.